everyone, and welcome to episode 149 of Fun With Cars for coverage of the Australian Grand Prix. That is right, we are back. Formula One 2014, it is on. It is on. I am Jim Lau. I'm Robin Warner. And so this is from Albert Park in Melbourne, and it's, you know, finally, cars in, you know, under watching qualifying, the whole thing was like, okay, you know, we've seen testing, we've seen practice even at that point. Right. You know, we've gotten, we've heard the sounds of the cars, we can talk more about that later, you know, we've seen what the liveries actually are now and all this stuff, and then it came down to qualifying, and it's like, finally, we get to see all the cars and their relative pace, and everyone's going to be trying, and then it rained. And it rained. And then we had some car trouble and some different things, so, you know, it's, I, I remember from seasons past, you know, trying to sort of... Uh, okay, well, first, you know, the first race, finally we'll be able to see how everything pans out. And then, it, you know, it didn't. It was like 2010, you know, oh, how right. do we wear our regs and curs and durs and all this stuff? And it was like halfway through the season, you know, we had different winners every time and all this. It was crazy. So it was a little bit of that where um, this big buildup towards, man, qualifying is really going to tell us who is where. And then it didn't because, like, Vettel was out in Q2 because he had his engine problem and the right. timing was weird. Raking and spun and it was, like, all just awkward. So, um but anyway, then we did have a mostly dry, um, not enough wet to really to need rain tires, dry race, and I think a, a cracking good race. There was plenty to, I mean, not if you're a Hamilton fan, maybe, but uh, or Massa or Kobayashi, but you know, plenty to to enjoy. There, there was certainly a lot to get uh, interested in in Gage Pond. There's a lot of new rules that the different teams have to sort out, and thus far have taken different approaches to, and to see that uh, unfold is really nice. We saw rookies do really well. We saw rookies do not so well. We saw veterans do not so well. So that mix was really fantastic to see, even though the pure racing action itself maybe wasn't quite as exciting as some hoped. But really, it wasn't bad either. There was a lot of really good stuff. I think the the single greatest thing about 2014 Formula 1, in my point of view right now, Reduced downforce and much greater um, power torque. Power torque isn't power actually torque. a thing. Power unit torque, when power unit is what Formula One wants to be called. Let's just uh, be old school. Engine torque. Engine torque is way well, up. Okay, well, Kurz does play a part in that. I mean, Kurz that, does play so... a part in that, um, and we're ignoring it. No, engine <laughs> torque. Engine torque is way up from before. Downforce is down, which means. Power sliding the car, the fact of drifting the rear end with power on is much more likely than it used to be. And that's cool to see because that is one of the great skills of a racing driver is balancing uh, steering movements with your pedal movements and handling slides and having them not cost you time and all this kind of stuff. Yeah. So, or as it's called, driving. Yes. Coordinating your steering movements you're with so your pedal e- movements. You're so efficient with your words. <laughs> Anyway, but yeah, they, 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 that's, it's that's been said, great to see. There's more driver in the car now. It's you know, as a, as a, another way to put that, it, it has more to do with driver skill and so on, which has been a lot of fun. And then it, you know, then the rain played into that uh, a little bit as well, because that's you know, sort of sometimes does change the effects of the tires and kind of the relative performance between cars. So we had heard uh, predictions everywhere from. Um, None of the cars will finish the race. You know, that was something that was floating around saying, oh, all these cars are going to have significant problems. No one's going to get their handle around fuel use, and this is all going to be terrible, and it's going to be a farce and all these things. So that didn't happen. That did not happen. Thankfully. Um, you know, up to, oh, it's, you know, Red Bull is going to be awesome again, and it's and they're going to, you know, oh, Vettel is just going to whatever, um, you know, and, and all kinds of different things in between. But what we ended up with was, I think, a, a you know, quite a good balance. And I guess I can say that because I, I uh, didn't predict Hamilton for the win. But, um, <laughs> I mean, I have to say, so the Williams looked very racy. 
Um, we only really got to see that one in uh, Botas's hands because yeah. uh, Masa was just taken out in uh, spectacular fashion by Kobayashi in turn one, lap one. And 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 I feel it's important to say that that might not have been Kobayashi's fault. It might have been, but it could have been just car failure at you know bad timing for Masa. Yeah. So but either way, definitely wasn't Masa's fault. Right. Um, and and then I think the other thing was um, it was interesting to see Ricardo doing so well when Vettel was doing so poorly. I mean, Vettel, as he kept saying, had no power, um, and the car sounded wrong, and it was just apparently, like, I don't know, he wasn't getting the right turbo boost. Something, several things were wrong, it sounds like, with his car, um, most of which was that, you know, the, he got the bad firmware for his engine, um, which, you know, is a thing that can happen. Um, but uh, what was interesting is that it sort of took the, a bit of the pressure off um, Ricardo because it wasn't a Vettel battle, you know, it wasn't the, he and Ricardo were battling, you know, battling right on the track and it would have been this big comparison of, oh man, is, you know, Red Bull going to tell, you know, tell multi 21, you know, what, what's all, <laughs> it was, it, like it kind oh of my God, eliminated yeah. all that. And it was in Australia. And of course, uh, you know, Ricardo and his home fans is all going to be excited. And then to see Ricardo go on to finish second and then later be disqualified because of a very, very technical infringement involving a fuel flow uh, sensor which, um, however, though, I mean, that's that's very pertinent because that was a big change for 2014 is one of the ways that they were going to manage uh, the teams now was you had a peak fuel, fuel flow rate that you can uh, achieve. There's going to be a sensor to monitor that. And, you know, there was an issue. Yes. Although um, the issue was not we know that you use too much fuel. Uh, the issue was... Um, they didn't run uh, the right fuel flow sensor. There's and there's this really long technical detail article about it on Autosport, um, f- which talks about exactly the sporting regulations and how they have a fuel flow sensor and they can't use the car's internal sensor. And then they had problems with the one, so they switched to the backup, but the backup wasn't calibrated right, and so then they reverted the other one. So it wasn't necessarily the case that it's it's not like a where they test the car and say, oh, you didn't have enough fuel, so at some point you were definitely too light or anything like that. It was like. We don't know what happened, so maybe something weird happened. So, yes, it's possible that he got a performance advantage by using too much fuel. Yeah. Although there wasn't a problem with the amount of fuel left in at the end, and it wasn't like there was lots of really poor performance and then one lap where Ricardo was just like, wow, look, he's going 15 <laughs> miles an hour faster than right, everyone else. Right, right, right. So it, it's debatable whether it actually had an impact, but the point is it was a technical regulation and it was breached. So um, And it, it was very sad because there was such a huge... Um, amount of support for an Australian doing so well at the Australian GP. First time that an Australian had been on the podium there and all these kinds of things. It was a big boon. And, of course, this is the first season that Ricardo is in what people would consider a front-running team, potentially. Right. And so there was a whole lot of positive vibes coming out of this. So this is this is a serious knock. But it's it's ultimately only one of many things that were quite fascinating. There were already, I think it was at least two, maybe three, Gearbox penalties at the first yes, race. Two, yep. Two at the first race, um, and you know to see to see just the two top performers, arguably in the season right now, Lewis Hamilton and Sebastian Vettel both out early in the race. To see Renault perform the way they did, to see Williams perform the way they did, to see Force India perform the way they did. There were a lot of uh, really great things there. I think my personal opinion, opinion Williams is the feel-good story of the year so far. And to see Valtteri Botas perform the way he did because of Massa's uh, lap one problem. Right. 
Yeah, and I think I think we'll have we'll see more from both of them. But I think Massa as well. I mean, as we recall, he had he you know outperformed Alonso several times last year, and when they had ostensibly equal cars, or if there was a difference, you'd think Alonso would have the better Ferrari between the two of them. And every <laughs> once in a while, Massa would come out whether out qualifying, out racing, whatever. So now he's in you know Massa is in a good car, uh, and then Botas obviously you know handled himself remarkably well, and so to come fifth after having that uh, you know incident where he kissed the wall, um, you know tire went down and so on, had to do a pit stop, brought out the safety car, so the timing kind of worked out to manage it as best as, as best as he could have but uh still he would have been better off if he had not had to do all that and right. uh, and could have been in, in the running there so um you know that's a very good result for them the car looks great now you know it's it it's, it's this you know nice sort of turnaround in sponsorship and uh and for well for them to even have a title sponsor yeah and then for it to be an iconic one like martini that's been in motorsport for decades right and <laughs> so it's funny i mean you consider um pastor maldonado for a moment who uh, last year drove Williams? Yes. And who's like, man, this car sucks. I'm going to go to one of the top teams. I'm going to go to Lotus. This is going to be awesome next year. And then, yeah, both. Lucky number thirteen. Yeah. <laughs> what could possibly go wrong? So this, oh, in, in in his defense, had nothing to do with him. Probably, you know, this is just car performance, whatever. Like, right. how would he have known that the Williams would all of a sudden be awesome, and that the Renault Lotus would all of a sudden be really the worst car? I mean, they qualified. Last and second to last, you know, behind Marusha's, behind Caterham's, behind whatever, um, and then um, had problems. So Grosjean actually had to start from the pit lane. So it's like, how last could you be? Although, and ends up actually both Marusha's had um, had problems and also had to start from the pit lane That's behind right. Grosjean. So technically he wasn't last, although he was from the pit lane. But such is the nature of uh, the first race after <laughs> crazy technical changes. Yes. Um, but then uh, both Renaults retired. Um, Maldonado after 29 laps, Grosjean after 43 laps. And they're both listed as energy recovery system failures. Um, so we didn't see, there was no cablamo. This was just, they were going and then they were not going and they were both able to get off the track into a safe spot. So it seems like some part of the system was malfunctioning. The way they had to stop, uh, not, you know, they couldn't get back to the pits. They were both on track. Uh, but, uh, yeah, that is, so they can take a positive out of that, I guess. And that going 29 and 43 laps is better than nothing. You know, this is not a DNS. This is a DNF. Right. So, uh, at least they got some, hopefully some data that's useful. Um, maybe if Renault figures out what was wrong with Sebastian Vettel's engine firmware, they can apply that also to the Lotus cars or, you know, who knows exactly where the problems are, but, uh, well, and we as fans can take a lot from this as well, because I'm personally loving that. We're starting a new chapter. They're learning new things, and it's trying to advance the sport. And there's they're bound to hit roadblocks. They're bound to hit bottlenecks. They're going to hit bugs. How many other little catchphrases can I say for this? They're going to run into trouble. It's not going to be ironclad reliability, and it's just going around and, oh, there's a few good passes, and, oh, this guy qualified well, so he's going to perform well. You know, now it's a lot more of a gamble. There's a lot less certainty in what's going on. And I think that's fantastic. There's going to be races that, for whatever reason, Lotus has no trouble. And maybe they can perform quite well. There's going to be races where someone's way out in front, trouble-free, and then all of a sudden, you know, issue. That that can be terrible in terms of feeling for the team or for the driver itself. But that adds to the excitement of the sport. There's less known it's 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 more risk and there's more there's more uh glory if everything does go well yeah and i, I wonder too with lotus um 
exactly what the problem is because it seems like so okay one thing we know the Renault engines um, have had problems but other cars with Renault engines have done okay uh, you know the STRs most notably yeah. um, with the revised uh, results the official results now which which have uh, Ricardo you know obviously Ricardo had a Renault in his car and uh, you know maybe maybe he used too much fuel maybe didn't but uh, otherwise the, the now the highest official finishing uh, Renault powertrains are. Uh, what eighth and ninth uh, for STR, which is you know, not all that bad. Um, <laughs> and then you get it, not all that bad from fun with cars, right? Uh, but uh, so it's it's not necess- It's not a hundred percent engine problem. But you know they lost their team principal Eric Boulier, who's now at McLaren, and yes. then. And then, you know, the whole Janai, you know, money sponsorship or quantum, whatever it was supposed to be, you know, I don't... Janai on the side of the card anyway. Oh, right. no, but the, but the, the future deal that was yeah, supposed to happen Yeah, the new deal that was supposed quantum, to happen, yeah. and maybe they were, you know, going to, whatever it was, uh, hire Hulkenberg and however it was supposed to go, and boy, did Hulkenberg dodge a bullet there as well. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, it seems like partly maybe it's, it's somewhat money, but it seems like just kind of direction, you know, if they don't have a core... You know who's running this business, and what are our goals? Are we just here to you know make as much money for our shareholders? And how do we do that? Is it it's a deals, or is it just you know like a proper sort of racing organization where it's their whole history, like Williams or something, where it's just all about you know this, the whole organiz- organization around um, you know just they know how to succeed and what needs to happen to make changes and so on. So I feel like it may not be just that oh they've had problems with the engine. It may just be a combination of that and. Well, how do we deal with those problems, and who, right. who are the right people to have in place, and what are the what are the strategies that we uh, you know do we put a whole lot of money behind this, or do we do it behind marketing, or you know where are the different angles? So, I'm not terribly hopeful uh, of a of a quick Lotus turnaround. I have to say, um, right. just because of kind of the way you know just you know money and and people and uh, and so on have have left that organization, uh, and so yeah, hopefully they can you know I, I don't wish anyone to do poorly but so hopefully they can turn around for their sake and you know we continue having a good field of cars uh for racing but i, I would be a bit surprised if uh we see lotus with some really strong results this year all right well i just had a brilliant idea and no one will have ever thought of this except for me so pat me on the back but i think what we should go down uh, just go down the results list and just say what we think about each individual individual driver real quick because who else, who else is going to think of that? And we got to start with the winner. Uh, he owned this thing. I mean, it was really flag-to-flag craziness. Nico Rosberg in the Mercedes, 24 seconds ahead of second place. Right. And he, after the safety car period, you know, he built that up, that lead up again. But he had about the same lead uh, before the safety car. It was, mm-hmm. it was. I mean, he, you know, dare we say, Vettel'd it, uh, <laughs> and uh, and of course, Vettel after after about what is it, lap three when Vettel retired, um, you know, he would have been able to just go back and watch the race. And I wonder if he's like, oh man, this one guy's just way out in front. This this race is really boring, and uh, had a had a moment to reflect on that or not. But yeah, I mean, Rosberg just had it. Um, it would have been a lot cooler, of course, if uh, Hamilton hadn't had the uh, failure early on as well to see, was Hamilton right there? Did Rosberg really have his number in terms of race pace? You know, did they manage right. their tires or psych each other out or whatever? Well, what we can say, and, you know, Hamilton claimed to be down on power, and that would affect the launch as well, but Rosberg got a brilliant launch. He was third and got right around both Ricardo and Hamilton right at the beginning before turn one. Yeah. Although Red Bull launches aren't known for their Australian compatibility, should we say. <laughs> but, yeah, so Rosberg just had it, and uh, well done, really. I mean, yeah. it was like that. He just, you know, made it work today. And, it, was uh, his, it was his fourth win. He had two last year and one the year before that. 
So to start off the season with a win. And the other thing, by the way, which I found really fascinating was last year Rosberg had the lead car um, in you know in terms of camera bar and all that kind of stuff. But this year Rosberg is in the back. You know he's in the second driver car, and yeah. Lewis Hamilton is in the lead car. And I there's got to be some level of personal pride to put your stamp on the season when that's the case, right? I Not mean, bad for a number two driver, as it, they say. As they say. So, uh, number two, and we'll kind of jump in and mix these two together just a little bit. Number two and three, McLaren drivers. Of course, second place, official results as it stands anyway, Kevin Magnus. Does he have, like, a dad who has done something before? No. No? Okay. No, it's funny, though. Uh, this is an excellent opportunity for me um, you know, Jim and I originally talked about maybe watching qualifying live and maybe even the race live, but I ended up uh, last minute uh, going to the 12 Hours of Sebring race, which is a big endurance race here in the States. The 62nd running of the 12 Hour Endurance Classic. That's the one. And I saw uh, Kevin Magnuson's dad live because he was racing in the 12 Hours of Sebring. Did you give him any Jan facts? Because that would have been amazing if you ran up to Jan Magnuson and you're like, Jan Magnuson, did you know that in 1979 you did this? And he'd be like, yes, I know, I was there. Yes, uh, let's see. Let me uh, let me name names. No, I just saw him from a distance. But I did uh, I did bark orders to Bruno Junquera. I said, Bruno Junquera, stand there, photo. Okay, thank you. Um, I did uh, talk to Scott Dixon for about 15 seconds. Because I had a phone interview with him last year. I'm like, hey, remember me? So I sounded like a total nerd to Scott Dixon. He was really nice. Scott Dixon is a great, really nice guy. He's a quality dude. He really is a quality dude. So thumbs up to New Zealand and Scott Dixon. Um, And who else did I talk to? Oh, uh, 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 Charles Espenlob. He's uh, less internationally known, but he's also a GT driver. Really nice guy. Talked with him, so I got to I got to hobnob with a few of the drivers and uh, have a few words with them, and I got to be in the spend some time in the pits and all that kind of stuff. So it was a very cool event. It was kind of a you know a real nice appetizer to you and I following the World Endurance Challenge uh, series a little bit more. World Endurance Championship, geez, sorry, and um, so that was cool. But anyway, that limited my Australian GP time and your hours of sleep in the last several days as well which may be evident but you know maybe not point is <laughs> kevin magnuson you know on the podium of course in third but now with official results second place um and i guess you know you wonder on the record books right it's like oh you know daniel carter really i guess was still the first australian to stand on the podium because he did stand on the podium yeah technically okay now he will have been disqualified but he was there and uh, for the so I mean that's got to be you know a nice email to get or whatever it's like oh by the way Kevin uh, you're second now and, and now, by the way and now you have 18 points instead of 15 oh and Kevin Megan it was so fantastic you know Alan Jones did the interview right after the race and. Kevin Magnuson was just one step away from, I don't know what to do with my hands. Like, yeah. he, he was really, he was awestruck. Like, he's like, this is amazing. I, I don't know what to yeah, say. Yeah, he's like, I've never done a Formula One race before. <laughs> like, yeah, we know. That's why this is special. <laughs> so that was super cool. And then uh, Jensen Button, of course, not on the podium, but uh, just behind him. Um, and, you know, being outdriven by his younger teammate, it must be said. It must be said. Must uh, it? It must. And, you know, it, it really came to... Uh, Jensen Button put in a lap in Q2, uh, and uh, just the way the timing worked out, Kevin Magnuson's lap came a little later, and it was faster. And I don't know if the timing helped Kevin or not, but that's the way it fell. And But Jensen Button did his very consistent 
well thought out strategy type of deal and was able to move up into the race and keep the car underneath him. He's good at that and ended up with a pretty darn decent result. It'll be very interesting to see because uh, in a very different way, McLaren is going through something similar to Williams. Williams really transformed from last year to this. Well, that's true for McLaren as well, but just totally differently. Um, you know, Martin Whitmarsh is out. Uh, Eric Boulier is in. Uh, much more critically, Ron Dennis is in and more involved again. And there's a lot, just Checo a lot. Checo Perez of, is out. Checo <laughs> Perez is quite out. In related news, yeah. Yeah, and so there's just a lot going around in McLaren, too. And then, you know, in a weird juxtaposition, you know, McLaren road cars are becoming more and more of a craze. The P1 is this big, crazy big deal. Yeah. So man. more powerful than an F1 car, by the way. That's true. And arguably sounds better, but hey. Uh, that's um, an easy argument for me. Fourth place, first Ferrari. Fernando Alonso. And uh, he says Ferrari can't really be happy with this result as, they, of course, they ended up um, now fourth and seventh, although that when they, at the time they thought it was fifth and sixth uh, for fifth and eighth. Um, so they say, you know, we, we, we need to do better. You know, it's Ferrari. We should be better than that. And fair enough. But, you know, hey, that's solid points. That's, uh, uh, you know, we, certainly you could do worse than that, and most teams did. Uh, but, uh, you know, solid drive, you know, had some had some good passes, had some struggles, but otherwise uh, nothing, you know, not not the craziest drives, especially compared to number fifth position, Valtteri Bottas, who was sort of one of the few guys moving up through the field. Yes. And as, of course, we don't have Massa for comparison, but um, hopefully in, in a more, uh, you know, normal race setup um, and without a, you know, rim puncture and all that, uh, we could really see some, some you know, higher level success for Williams. So that's sort of a good promising result. And it, it's early days. And of course, you know, some other teams may be able to move forward more quickly than others and, and so on. So we'll have to see how these things pan out. But just speaking from Australia for now, yeah. as of course. In sixth place, uh, Nico Hulkenberg uh, in Force India. And this was this is the kind of position that I really got used to seeing for Nico Hulkenberg, taking a mid-pack car and making it a top 10 car. Just, you know, he is one of the best drivers out there. And just his attitude and the opportunities, the way they've fallen, he, he hasn't been able to move up to a top team yet. But, I mean, Force India shows real promise. And uh, my personal opinion, it's also one of the better-looking cars out there because they have more of the traditional ugly um, uh, solutions for the lower nose mandate that I have. Now it can only be 175 millimeters off the ground. But they were smart enough to say, hey, this is the part of the nose we want you to look at. They painted that white, and then they painted the ugly part black. So it is fairly well hidden to the naked eye. To the naked eye. Yeah. In seventh place, Kimi Raikkonen for Ferrari, who uh, gave a, a, an astonishing interview after the fact, where he, he sort was of said, not "I happy. don't know, we have issues, and we'll have to see." There, he very much, he very strongly indicated, "Don't ask me any more questions. I don't want to talk about it." But I do find it fascinating. So here we have this, you know, classic uh, dream team in a sense, two world champions in the you know top team of Formula One, Ferrari, and. And the last five years, Ferrari's really been this kind of like top tier also ran. They just haven't been quite up to really running at the front, whoever the front is. Most recently it was Red Bull, but you know, before that it was McLaren. Do you see what I'm saying? Like Ferrari just hasn't been quite there. Mm -hmm. And this is just yet another start where they're not quite there. So now that we've got uh, just a whole swath of new rules and different ways to 
make the cars the, the potential for the cars to go faster is a lot greater than it has been years past right because there's so much more to learn so maybe ferrari can really push to the front again and be a powerhouse but they just they constantly seem to just not be quite there and struggle and that's that's where i see them again for now, anyway. Yeah. Uh, eighth spot, Jean-Eric Verne, and then we'll lump him in with right behind him in ninth now, uh, Danny Kafat uh, in these STRs. Da. Um, yeah, so both getting points and sort of running mid-pack, right? I mean, we saw a couple of moments uh, with Verne and, you know, uh, and, 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 and like, you know, in quality, I guess, with uh, Kafat as well, with uh, a little sort of a, not, not a big crash, but, you know, getting into the wall and breaking the wing and whatever, but certainly a solid result for uh, the F1 debut of Kafat. And uh, John Eric Verne's got to be happy about the fact that he came home ahead of him um, because, of course, he's probably still a little bit sad uh, not getting the full Red Bull ride that it, Ricardo did. He's definitely sad about that. I, I read some interviews from him afterwards, and he really thought he deserved it. But although I think he's taking it. He's taking a good approach. Although he didn't get disqualified today, though. So, you know. This is true. you got to take, take from it what you can, right? And, uh, you know, Verne, Verne is still in STR. He didn't get dropped full stop like uh, – like uh, drivers of the past, yeah, and uh, so he can he can be happy about that, and you know he did do better than Kafat, but we gotta give uh, Kafat a shout out here. I mean, he was he's 19 years old. Um, I we haven't done the research ourselves, but apparently days younger than Vettel was when he scored his points at the USGP in 2007, because he is now claimed to be the youngest driver ever to score points in a Formula One event, and. Uh, uh, Vettel was 19 when he scored a point in the BMW Sauber in 07, and, you know, Kfat's also 19, but younger, younger 19. 10th uh, place, Chico! Chico Perez! That guy. Yep, who uh, didn't think that he got a point until he heard the announcement about Red Bull, and now he goes, oh, cool, I got a point. And Force India, um, the lowest place of, the, of any running Mercedes... And you know, not there you go. Didn't not see much terribly of him impressive, today. Yeah. but you know, you know, Esteban, Esteban making the most of his uh, team change. Oh no, wait, he stayed, didn't he? He was at Sauber last year. No, I'm now I'm totally lost. Where was Esteban last year? We're talking Pacheco Perez first of all. No, I thought he moved Mexican. on. I was talking about Sutil and oh. Esteban now at oh, okay. Sauber. Okay, and was Este was Esteban at Sauber last year? I'm just blanking here. Uh, yeah. Yeah, okay, so he stayed. Adrian Sutil's a new guy. From Force India, of course, yeah. Right, and, and Sutil is, uh, you know, the more senior driver, but, you know, Espan can give himself a pat on the back for his work there. Um, Marusha, Max Chilton, uh, you know, this was a better finish the race, for him. And yeah. that's actually solid, uh, solid for the first, you know, for, especially with the low-budget teams, um, for them to be able to come with all the major rule changes and not having the budgets of the big teams to deal with it and uh, to be able to, you know, hang on and, and finish the race. And then Bianchi was the, uh, I guess, the last retirement uh, before the end of the race. Right. He at least did 49 out of 57 laps. Uh, so sort of probably a bit better than expected from Arusha. I mean, not qualifying dead last and then to finish and, and then almost finish is like, well, I guess it kind of sounds like a put down, but it's actually not a bad way to go for the very first race. And then hopefully they can, uh, you know, just move forward from there. But, uh, you know, they could, you could do worse than that. And speaking of doing worse is Lotus. Yeah. I mean, the the teammates are right on top of each other, 15th and 16th. And it has to be said, you know, Pastor Maldonado, he kept his, he kept himself in control. He, he didn't, kept both of his noses clean. That's right. He didn't do anything crazy. He didn't take himself out of the event. You know what I mean? It was, it was issues with the car and that was that. But it is, it is sad to see Lotus 
you know, because last year, this time last year, they won the race. One K Raikkonen had done so, right? Yes. Uh, next up is Marcus Erickson in the Caterham, who after 27 laps had an oil pressure failure, and we didn't again see much of him. So oh my started god! It's such an ugly car. Oh my god! Just so, is it better or worse for you now that they've painted the uh, protrusion on the bottom black when from being green before? It's better because that protrusion is the ugliest part, but it is still this weird step nose angular thing. It's, it's a bit less Shrek wiener than it was. A bit. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll give it a bit, but no. Oh, I mean, it's that one's going to be a tough one. That's going to take the longest to get used to of all the cars. Or yeah, well, and then it's been said as well that for 2015, um, the FIA and whatever the working groups that look at these things are considering like, okay, yeah, we had some good ideas in terms of getting the noses here and the safety and whatever, but these cars are really bloody ugly. So let's do something about that because you know that is ultimately a marketing thing to say, hey, let's get people excited about F1 and you know watching the races and you know sponsorship and all that it is kind of a media thing so ugly cars is actually bad for people which you know they did the step noses and then they did valence panels to cover some of the step noses some of them right um and although the car we saw the most of with Vettel was still step nose but uh so yet again they're like oh we made some regulations and wow these cars are gonna be ugly and then oh maybe we'll do that something about it so we'll see if you can do how how you can do it but the caterham is of all the ones to like really go weird it has just really gone weird it's gone way weird and you know it's it's important for these cars to be entertaining and all these things. It has to be great racing. and But in terms of the marketing, it's also about relevance. And it would be so cool if they could come up with a solution that made the cars a little bit less ugly and maybe added a little bit of aerodynamic relevance to the real world. It's like, hey, here's some neat tricks that um, – Formula One can pass down to the production. By the way, um, this is a real uh, fun aside. A week ago, I was at an amateur racing expo that's tied to the SCCA but isn't. It's called the MSX Expo. And uh, one of the people there, I learned a little bit about drivetrain components, stuff like that. Well, this guy turned out to be an ex-F1 engineer at Bar Honda. Mm. And he was telling me that um, amateur racing, like club racing cars, um, are starting to get some technology that was first put together in Formula One in the gearbox and in the transaxle with specific bearings and fluids, the way they're working, from the 2000 era, from right around the turn of the century. Turn of the century um, era F1 technology is getting into club racing cars now because of uh, – I just thought it was a fun little aside. Nice. So in like another – 14 years or so, we could have... Low one... noses. <laughs> Shrek wieners on the front. <laughs> uh, yeah, Moving nice. Moving on. Um, well, Next is Sebastian Vettel. Sebastian Vettel. I, who knows? I don't know what that guy's all about. I've never seen him before. Yeah, but... he has promise, but we'll see. Guy for that, even even some you know Sterling Moss kind of a dude, uh, Lewis Hamilton. Come yeah. on, man. Keep your car running. In the Mercedes, yeah. That's totally his fault, whatever happened. <laughs> It's because he's back with Nicole, obviously. <laughs> Anyone who knows anything knows that that's the deal. Yeah, and since I don't know anything, I didn't know. Um, uh, after that, I mean, now it's going to get a little silly. Felipe Massa, he got punted out by Kamui Kobayashi. And right there at the bottom, boy, Daniel Ricciardo. That's a whole other thing. We talked about that. Yep. Great uh, great job. I mean, it was he was so happy. 
And all his fans were so and happy. And he deserved to be. I mean, he and did a then, fantastic you know, job. That's got to suck when it's like, oh, hey, Daniel, by the way, uh, about that fuel thing. Yeah. Yeah, you're excluded. You know what? It actually reminds me of Rush, the moment when um, uh, James Hunt was disqualified for his wing being too wide yeah. after he'd won the, I guess it was the Spanish GP. We're talking about 1976 here, so please don't quote me. But it's, you know, it was that event in the movie. Right. And uh, you should totally, if you haven't seen the movie Rush and you're curious, Jim, Jim and I actually watched it together and we talked about it on funwithcars.com. If you're curious about watching it, not curious yet enough to just go watch the movie, the first thing you should do, though, is go to youtube.com slash fwcars and watch our little review of that movie and of one. And then you can decide if you want to watch Rush or one or go to get ice cream or frozen yogurt. No, that's fascinating. I think the first thing you should do is go to funwithcars.com, which then gives you a little um, – Introduction into going to YouTube and checking this. Yeah, thing you out. don't want to just jump right into YouTube. That's no, true. no, that can hurt. Because then you'll get lost and there's people who mean and, it's and bad. you're like, help, where am I? I don't right. know where I am. Um, okay, the fun's over. I'm taking off my gloves. I'm not pulling any punches. You didn't have gloves on. What do you think of the sound of the new F1 cars? I'm in. You're man. wrong. I'm, <laughs> I'm still, I'm still on board with it for a couple reasons. We've talked about this a little bit, but the fact that uh, okay, it doesn't. I know. I of course neither of us have heard them in, in real life yet together. We've talked to people who have, and That's we've seen true. the videos, and obviously not watched the race and so on. But it is different, and of course, my opinion of, of different is bad. It's bad. <laughs> well, the, my opinion of the previous generation F1 cars did change, you know, after hearing and just feeling them in person. So I can certainly uh, I, I put some weight behind the people who were at the race or near the race or whatever, saying. Yeah, wow, this kind of sucks. So, like, uh, that that is a negative if you don't get, you know, kicked in the gut like you used to by one of these things driving by. But um, I think it sounds cool with the 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 errs. You can hear this, you know, you get this kind of the, the motor whine, the turbo sound, um, and, and whatever. Like, the cars going by just kind of sound crazy and different, and I think that's cool. The fact that this is Formula One, and it's, like, exotic and not like anything else in the world, and it, which it sort of always has been, but... Um, it's in a different way now, but it's still exotic and interesting, and it didn't look like the grandstands were half empty because people were like, oh, these cars sound lame. So it's like I feel like if you have to make a change and you want your series to be more relevant, you want more instructors, instructors, constructors to be involved, manufacturers, and, uh, you know, of course, we're going to have Honda engines next year and hopefully maybe even some more on after that, yes. um, that, you know, they didn't piss people off too much because people were still watching races and talking about it, and, you know, I don't think we've uh, lost a lot of followers because the engines sound lame. So I think it sounds kind of cool. Uh, I recognize that it's not as cool in a very visceral way as the old ones, but I'm still on board with it. And I'm also hopeful that this engine will find its way into some other applications or this power unit as a whole, actually. I think a sports car program built around a current spec, you know, V6 turbo with a lot of, you know, a lot of electricity and so on involved, I think would be a very cool thing. So like a Ferrari LMP1 car to go against, you know, the Porsche and, uh, and what I was yeah, using yeah, and whatnot, yeah. I think would be very cool. Here's why you're totally wrong. It doesn't sound cool. Okay? Damn it. Darn it. You Look what you made me use my potty mouth. It's so wrong. No, here's the thing. I actually agree with most of what you're saying. I love hearing the turbo whoosh myself. I love hearing all the electric pops and fizzes and whizzes and all the extra machinery that's going on. You can just – you can hear it. Um, as this just kind of summation of all these different uh, machines and parts working together. And that's very cool. It's very serious mechanical sounding. But what I miss is that, like, 
energy roar of the engine itself. That's that is what's missing. That wasted energy that's just going into audio. Exactly. And the argument I would have is that energy is not wasted. It's used in the most glorious audio type of way. And we don't have that anymore. That's what's amazing. Turbo cars of Formula One in the 80s sounded mean, sounded vicious. And they quite literally were exploding. They were so angry that they would destroy themselves. And they made crazy amounts of power that way. You don't get that. There's none of that mayhem anymore. And in a way, that's good. But in a way, it's just like, uh. So it's you should, like... You should go watch Drag Racing then. If you just want crazy sounds and explosions, then go do that. It's not about efficiency at all. It's not about road car relevance at all. And it's not even really pushing the envelope. It's just like... It's pushing a certain envelope. Okay, fair enough. But if you... If you okay, but hold on. You're just We're being a caveman about, about this. Yes. Yes. And there's something Be- better than that, though. You said it yourself. It is missing that visceral punch in the gut. And... I'll tell you what. Formula One... Formula One is the pinnacle of motorsport, and if there's anything that should give you the quote-unquote whole nine yards, it should be Formula One. It should give you the technology and the efficiency and the punch in the gut. That's my opinion. I'm, I'm upset with the sound. And part of the problem is that the cars of old, even the fairly common um, 2.4-liter V8s last year – they still sounded so unique to any other motorsport because they revved so high and they were so loud that you didn't get that anywhere else. Now these these motors sound complicated but do sound more similar than some World Endurance Challenge cars and even some of the cars at uh, 12 Hours of Sebring. Okay, I tell you what. I think that there's a solution to this problem. We should go to a Formula 1 race mm-hmm. and I'll just punch you in the gut. Every time the cars go by. <laughs> so you're like, uh, oh, man, I get it. I feel oh, it. There it is. It'll be visceral. It's back. And then <laughs> that'll be great. So I think problem solved. Uh, sure. As long as you're willing to eat ice cream. None of that frozen yogurt crap. Uh, that I will not. Uh, that you know that That's important to me. That's an inside joke, and not everyone that listens may get this. That's because you didn't watch our fun little YouTube video where we talked about why Jim was wrong about frozen yogurt. Except that I wasn't. So Well, it's just that you the, the, the part that you don't get right now is that you were wrong about that part. That's all. I was just clarifying how wrong you were. Yes. It was your wrongness. Well. It was a lot of it. Let's, 100% wrongness. Let's see. Ice cream's better. Yes. What? No. Now you got me confused. <laughs> All right. Either way, Mr. Gut Punch. Um, let's, let's get our, our fans' perspective on a couple things here. What do you say? I say ice cream. So on funwithcars.com, Jeff posts, thanks for the podcast, Jim and Robin. Could you somehow make the predictions game available on the site? I steadfastly avoid Facebook, but would like to participate. Thanks, and let's go 2014 F1. So, I would like to say I appreciate his steadfastness because anyone that is steadfast about anything gets a pat on the back for me. Yes. However, uh, the short answer is no, and the slightly longer answer is there's a lot more involved with doing the predictions game. Um, they, if we have people, if you have to have an account, then we have to keep track of people's like names and passwords and be secure about it and deal with a whole lot of stuff. So Facebook actually covers a lot of that stuff for us. Um, and then also, it's uh, our you know hats. Are, we hardly even ever wear hats because there's so much off to our prediction stud Neil Popham, who actually puts together the, the predictions app within Facebook. So. Our offloading of responsibilities, as it has been, um, has been, you know, Facebook handles, you know, people that have Facebook accounts. And obviously there are lots of folks that do um, will do that. Uh, so I, I apologize. I realize that is a, a choice some people want to be able to make. Um, I guess 
depending on the nature of your uh, objection to Facebook, if you could make a fake account with whatever name you come up with and whatever fake information, uh, because you know if you're concerned about people tracking you down or whatever the issues may be, we don't care what your name or photo or whatever is, and just use it to do our predictions. I realize that's kind of a bit of extra effort on your part, and that may or may or may not fit with your uh, your objections to Facebook, but. Um, we don't really care if you say that you're 119 years old and live on Mars. Uh, that's fine with us, and your picture is maybe that of a cat. Um, <laughs> but if why, you, if why you win... that old and Mars? Uh, that's that's an interesting combination. Well, because then who's going to know that's really Jeff? <laughs> if that is well, your real they name. They would know exactly that it was Jeff because he's like, oh, that's the guy that didn't want to go to Facebook because who else would be 119 years old and live on Mars? The other alternative, Jeff, is it's very cool that you commented on funwithcars.com. Keep doing so. You tell us, hey, this is who I, uh, who I was hoping for. This is who I would have voted for. And no, you won't be part of the official results, but we'll totally let everyone know where you were at and why you did what you did. That's a completely fair play. Fair enough. And uh, I hope things are going well for you there on Mars. Um, also, a, <laughs> a uh, shout-out to um, <clears throat> DSJ. She uh, she has a unfortunate prediction for Lewis Hamilton, who is back together with Nicole uh, Searchinger. I can't even say that one. Well, you don't you don't say the uh, the writer's name, Desislava Simeonova Jaleva, but you can't even go Scherzinger on us now either. I'm sorry, Desislava. DSJ. <laughs> No, I'm hey, too, we gave up on Craig of all names. So you know, I'm I'm too tired to get the out barely. So DSJ was right. was as good as I could go. Anyway, it was a very poignant and fun comment, and I wanted to give her a shout out for that. And clearly, two and a half laps into the race, Lewis was like, you know, this kind of sucks. I want to go hang out with my girlfriend. Right. And yes. so then he like you know had engine failure and then ended his race. And uh, this is something we talked about very recently. Um, uh, Ian Dibble, uh, Dibble. Uh, said, and so the first race and the first exclusion for breaching fuel flow. And, yeah, it will be interesting to see how often that comes up and in what ways. Yeah, and can I mention, thank you for that, Ian. That was actually the first spot that I saw the, the, the became aware of that was, you know, checking our Facebook page. is one of the first things I do after the race because, you know, you and I, Robin, have to kind of go on media blackout after a race has happened, especially Australia. You know, it's yeah. been um, – that was, like – you know what 18 hours ago or something you know it was a long time ago that the race actually happened um because uh because of the time zones so after you know sort of uh you know after waking up this morning you know there's no time at which it was sort of safe for me to go online so one of the first things i'll do is like oh you know what are our followers i woke up this morning in florida yeah and that didn't help and how were the predictions and whatever and uh and then of course i'd check some other news sites and i would have found out about it separately but um that is always fun and uh helpful uh, for our fans to bring these things to our attention. So, Ian, thank you for the note about that. And uh, finally, to uh, Edward McNamara. Hey, are you guys doing the podcast? Yeah. That's the long and short answer. Uh, here we are. Yeah, the long answer totally. is listen to us for the last, you know, 45 minutes. Um, <laughs> On Twitter, as usual, we've had uh, we've had some good uh, good discussions and things mostly around hash FW cars. Um, but uh, uh, several of our fans in Australia who are you know loving that they have a race that's brilliant time zones for them. Uh, Daniel Jewell uh, was at the race, has went to see the race on Saturday. Um, I guess presumably he went to see qualifying on Saturday, but whatever. Um, and the sound is very unimpressive. The Porsche 911 support race sounded better. Ooh, that's just yeah. his, he's... Well, and uh, the. I wrote something after watching Free Practice 1 on Facebook. I said, hey, I'm not sure I'm liking these sounds so much. And we got a bunch of people commenting, and uh, I'll read a few of those. Um, God, here's another name. I can't pronounce it all. David Leu? 
David La. I, anyway, must be must be Loatian. Um, well, I thought at first uh, at first Tebow was running slow, but when but then Bill Will Buxton sounded like he always does on helium. So I think it's the cars. Craig Wilson said, um, "Who Wilson? Craig. Ah, Craig Wilson <clears throat> said." Um, uh, for shame, he didn't actually say that. For shame, your progress. For shame, the cars sound like stuff. End of blah blah blah. That was been the end of that. Um, Robert Masso said, "Hey, I'm here," and uh, you know, basically saying he wants Lewis Hamilton to do well. Hi, and, Robert. We're here. Yeah. And uh, Julie McKenzie uh, said, "Yeah." You don't need air earplugs anymore, and it's funny because I've heard that from other other folks as well. It's like you don't need earplugs anymore. That sucks, and it's weird to me because I'm like, well, isn't that a good thing that you don't have to put earplugs in? But the point is, they used to be, and now they're like, eh. it's not that. It's wasted energy, people. Do you want this energy going into your ears <laughs> and breaking your head? Maybe some people do, and fair enough. I, whoever needs it to get punched, if I'm in an F1 race and they say, this isn't visceral enough, I will walk around. I'll wear is, like, it, is this going to be like a kiss for a dollar, except it's going to be Dim Lao punches you in the gut? Oh, I hadn't thought I could charge for, for it. a dollar. Yeah, there, I should wear like the Hulk gloves, the comically, and be like, you want a visceral sound? You bam, then I Hulk glove, punch him in the gut. Yes, and it would tickle. Like, you're welcome. Anyway, um, Colin Sato goes on to say, in Asian cultures, we call this baki. Where you jinx yourself. I remember having a discussion about the sound of the Indy cars versus Formula One when one of you were commenting on the quote unquote doll sound of any car. Now look what happened. So basically, Colin Santo is blaming me for Formula One cars sounding the way they I think do. we both commented on the, the, the lameness of Indy cars, and we could agree on that because they just they, they have turbos, but you don't hear that, and they don't sound like spaceships, and they're not as whatever. I, I don't know. F1 yeah, cars sound Jim, better than Indy cars. It's your fault, jerk. Jim. Also, uh, Ziggy uh, F1, also in Australia, said it was a great race. New regs have worked, uh, and sound needs to be louder, uh, and asks if we have the new timing app. So, um, yeah, but that's a good point, though. I mean, the regulations um, for just the way the tires are, the, the torque, like we say, more driver in the car and more, like, yeah. it was entertaining in those ways. Of course, Absolutely. you know, people's relative pace is crazy now, and hopefully things get, uh, you know, yeah. change around there and stay interesting. There was not the top 10 within one second of each other like we had in years past. Right. Nowhere near it. Um, but, uh, you know, it sounds like, yeah, it is good to sort of not just always complain about uh, F1 and say, yeah, actually, that, that's that's been good. Um, I do have the new timing app, which is now the official F1 app. It's not There was the soft power one, which is sort of, uh, you know, licensed or whatever. But now this is the official F1 app. I didn't buy the subscription to it, though, um, which, where you get live timing through it. Uh, and maybe somebody can fill us in on this. But uh, usually the problem with us in watching a race, if you watch it live, it's cool because you get live timing and you can watch it while you're watching the race live. That's great. And even if one's offset a little bit, usually there's a way you can sort of say, okay, you know, put this behind by a second or whatever. And uh, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, if you watch the race after the fact, a lot of the apps will have the ability to say, okay, I'm wanting to watch the race now. Three, two, one, go. You hit play on your TiVo. You hit play on the app. And you get your live timing, which is all well and good until there's a first commercial break. And then all of a sudden your TiVo is fast forward. And if the app doesn't know, and some apps have ways of sort of you know listening to the audio of the show and knowing what's happening. But something to work live wouldn't have that technology. So the trouble is to watch it, watch the races after the fact and fast forward through commercials as we do. Um, means the app is always out of sync and you have to use it to catch up. And then, yeah. you know, it's sort of, it's just more hassle than it's worth than just simply watching the race and then, uh, you know, take, talking about it and, you know, and then preparing for our podcast. Besides, technology scares me. So. Right. 
So, but I, I would look forward to it, and I actually found uh, F1LT.pl uh, in the last year, which is uh, F for short for F1 Live Timing, um, which is an app a guy put together. It's based on the web-based timing that you normally get from Formula1.com, but it makes a bunch of other different views, like lap charts and time charts and that circular, you know, where are cars with respect to each other I on love track circles. And all these kind of things. Uh, so it's, uh, you know, that for me does it all, and I'm more of a computer guy for this kind of stuff than on an iPad or phone anyway. So either way, thank you for the uh, feedback. And then we had a bunch of other, um, you know, Don Cobbs has watching the race. These cars sound terrible. Um, and, <laughs> and there's, you know, a bunch of, we had, you know, live tweeting. I was up during qualifying, although not really tweeting cause it was so late. It started at 2 AM and then by the time it was like 3:15 or whatever, and right. saying, I was tired. I went to bed, but, uh, so not a whole lot of tweeting then, but either way, thank you very much folks for taking part in hash FW cars on Twitter. And, uh, if you're not part of that, uh, part of that crew, then visit us at funwithcars.com. There are links to Twitter and Facebook and YouTube and all the other fun things that we do. And, uh, just a real quick, just to finish out, there were a few more comments on Facebook about the thing. Uh, and one one more that's definitely worth reading. Uh, Jim Harwell said, They may be ugly, but at least they sound awful. <clears throat> that's a glass half full kind of guy. I respect that. And uh, also to uh, Nadim Zirich, who who wanted to be there, but he wanted to watch, but he couldn't. James Payne, uh, James Payne says, I stand by my terrible comment, but I'll get used to them eventually, the sound. And finally, uh, David Garcia basically said, I watched the I watched free practice at a pub, and I thought the new car sounded like a cross between a leaf blower and a sewing machine. And what 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 sound was I making? Uh, what 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 was I doing when I heard the F1 cars going around after You're just the making the, lots of sounds? I was sewing buttons because that's what the F1 car sounded like to me. I'm right. You're wrong. Boom. We crowdsourced that answer, and I was right. Ice cream. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of who's right and who's wrong, it is time for predictions, my friend, and I am feeling pretty good about it this week. Oh, but no, remember. So first of all, we had the largest change in predictions uh, in, in the in the brief but awesome history of our predictions app. Thanks again, Neil Popham. Um, which predictions is, stud. Right. When this is all goes through Facebook, and we are very we apologize to those who do not partake in Facebook, but we are not basically good enough to make a predictions app separate from Facebook with uh, our current skills. So. Um, as always, we like to predict who is going to be on pole position for the next race yes. and who will go on to win the race. Yes. Keep it simple, and that's fun. And we, I am very, very pleased to report that uh, – how many – oh, man, I had it in front of me. Now I don't. Um, 136 folks have put in predictions. Uh, well, 135 humans and one spreadsheet. <laughs> uh, yes. We ha- so we, as, as a comparison to see are any of us any good at actually predicting, um, we have a very simple spreadsheet which says whoever was on pole last time will win the next race, and whoever won the last race will win the next one. Um, did I say that right? Pole position last time to be pole next time. Whatever. Um, and we call that Damien. That's, that, that is just our simple heuristic model. Yes. So um, – now, and in previous races, uh, in previous years, I'm sorry, um, if you didn't predict uh, at all, you, you, it was up to you every week to come back and put in a prediction before the race, right. which got kind of lame, especially when Vettel was winning all the time. It was like, yeah, maybe some people kind of fell away. But I think it's more fun if we get you know, more people uh, and, and all just you know, kind of working, working together, uh, well, I guess competing together and, uh, and, and having fun with it. So uh, now we decided by policy that uh, – Ooh, policy. Yes, the policy decision was made, uh, and that was that – Whatever predictions you've put in will stay there until you change them. 
So now anyone who predicted Hamilton-Hamilton, for example, for this first race, um, they're automatically set to predict Hamilton-Hamilton again for the next race, but you always have the option to go and change it. And certainly feel free to take advantage of that. So unless you firmly think that it's going to be the always same guy winning... Free practice one of that event. I mean, that part still holds. Right, right. So you have to predict before before the actual event starts, which we call Friday. We call it Friday or Saturday. I guess it is until free practice. I think Forget. it's free practice. Okay. Yeah. Cool. So um, it's unless you think whatever. that it's always going to be the same people on pole and, and, and you know and winning, in which case you're done predicting for the year and you can just see how it turns out. Um, then it's always <laughs> fun to go back in and, and adjust your predictions as time allows. But I think that way, if you miss a race, it's not catastrophic for points. But also, it is very early days. We have 18 more races, including double points in the final race. Although our predictions doesn't go for that. Um, but uh, we have 18 more races. So if you haven't predicted yet, uh, still definitely please do visit Facebook.com. Or funwithcars.com, click on Facebook, you can get to it, whatever. But uh, And go to the predictions page and enter who you think is going to be on poll and who you think is going to win. So, you and I yes. uh, did predictions. Yes. And that came out with varying levels of success. So, um, <laughs> I have to say that um, we had a quite a few people correctly predicting with zero points. We had 27 folks predicting Hamilton and Rosberg uh, for the first round of that. And this is part of what's fun about having so many people playing is that, you know, some people are going to get it wrong, some people are going to get it right. And in this case, we had lots of folks, 27 of you, great job, folks, to do uh, Hamilton Rosberg and get zero points. Uh, Then we had a handful of folks um, going Rosberg, Rosberg, Hamilton Button, various things. And then it goes back to me in 49th place with my prediction of Hamilton Alonso getting me four points. Yes. That actually is going to be adjusted because I guess the results were pre-Ricardo disqualification, so some of these numbers may shift around just a wee little bit, although I don't think anyone actually had predicted Ricardo uh, to do particularly well, so I don't think anyone's going to lose out super big, yeah, but a bunch of us are going to move up. Yeah, the points, but not necessarily... You, sir, uh, are in 78th spot for the moment with Which, your button-button prediction. You were the only one number. to go button-button. <laughs> yeah, because um, I'm... Because I'm, I'm outside the box. Yes. Uh, and then an interesting one in there, um, Senga Wishart uh, noted uh, Hornet predicted Rosberg Bianchi. She was yeah, going Jules Bianchi for the win. Interesting, uh, interesting way to go there. Unfortunately, a lot of folks went Hamilton-Hamilton, which is a 19-point uh, affair in this case. And, of course, it's like golf. The uh, fewer points, the better. Uh, and then we had um, <laughs> Damien, the statistical model, the heuristic spreadsheet. Yes. Stupidly thought, like the spreadsheet that he is, <laughs> that Vettel would be on pole and then go on to win the race, netting it 29 points. Why would Vettel do that? I mean, just think about it logically. Victory for Team Human, I have to say, uh, in, that, in that we are now way ahead of Damien, the predictions model, uh, because we are way smarter than Damien. But uh, Damien, of course, for next time round, being the heuristic model that he is, is now predicting Lewis Hamilton on pole once again and Nico Rosberg to win the race once again. Yeah, what an idiot. That might prove to be slightly better. We'll see. And the honorable mention of the day for predictions goes to Martin Jensen, who put in what it sounds like a very reasonable prediction of Raikkonen and Massa, but which all went terribly wrong for him. And he actually got 30 points for that. One more than Damien. So, sorry it didn't work out for you, mate. But... Do uh, keep on this, and uh, you know that actually is a you know fairly reasonable prediction going forward. So I was the only one to go Jensen, Jensen, and really, yeah, qualifying didn't quite work out my way. But the rain is scary, and uh, my boy JB did pretty darn well in the race itself. So I'm happy with the prediction I made. However, I have changed mine, and it's sad to say, uh, but all I have is the past to go on and. My personal opinion is despite what DSJ is predicting with Nicole Searchinger, Searchinger, 
Yeah, it's getting worse instead of better. It's I just getting worse. Yeah. I am going Lewis Hamilton on pole position and to go on and win the race. That's what I've got. Alrighty. Go Malaysia. All right, and uh, also just as I'm looking through the predictions here, I notice uh, one notable CKW Craig the Kilt went Magnuson Magnuson, just firmly putting himself in the uh, in, in the hands of uh, McLaren's new boy. And he, and, you know, he, uh, he could have done a lot worse. You could have done a lot worse, especially when we get the revised results. That'll only be a four point deal, and uh, actually, well done, sir. For, uh, yeah, you know, the only honestly. one who did so, but uh, good job. Um, and actually, that was better than a Rosberg Alonso uh, prediction, which was actually you know sounds like a pretty good way to go. So who do I think? Um, yeah, it's. I think <laughs> it's silence. No, I'm, I mean you know I'm looking at the thing, and uh, I don't think it's going to be Alonso uh, for a win anymore. Um, yeah, because the thing the thing about Australia is you can't use Australia as your yardstick for the season. That is ridiculous in many ways, but you kind of have to and can and kind of should use it as a yardstick for Malaysia. Malaysia and Australia are two very different kinds of racetracks, but there's not going to be a lot of development between those two rounds. They're both flyaway rounds, and they're on top of each other. So in terms of the basic setup of the car, they're going to be fairly similar between the two races. Um, Rosberg for pole and Hamilton for the win. I'm all Mercedes, and that's where I'm going. And so you're basically inverting what Damien did, and I'm I'm putting all my eggs into one basket of Lewis Hamilton. So Nicole, better not screw me up. <laughs> yes, yeah, I think uh, I think that's I feel good about that, and we will see. Uh, we have we have some catching up to do though. We have a lot of uh, a lot of clever fans that have uh, predicted so far better than us. So yeah, uh, well. I mean, it, well, I mean it, Hamilton better deliver. Look at us. I'm Ross Hamilton. You're yeah. Ham Ham, Ev- and Damien's Ham. Everyone Rosberg. thinks Hamilton's going to be on pole. I mean, you know, you, you know. The one thing I love about this is, you know, Vettel is not going to be. I think on a lot of people's lists. Right. Although it is curious. I mean, that Red Bull in Ricardo's hands did prove to be quite competitive in both the wet and dry. Yeah, uses so much fuel though. Just it's going to get disqualified. It's just it's such just, a gas guzzler. No good. Which I hear is inefficient. It is. Boom, with your power efficiency waste noise thingy. Visceral. Rah! Punch me in the gut. I'll punch you in the gut verbally. Take that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so it is only a two-week break now. We, uh, we have gone we, – we are into the season and uh, have just two weeks until Malaysia. Uh, we will, barring anything crazy happening with our schedules, uh, be bringing you a timely podcast from Malaysia as well. Uh, in the meantime, please do keep up with us, uh, funwithcars.com. Uh, has all of our recent uh, various posts, videos, and articles, and podcasts, of course, and other fun things, and then links to Twitter and Facebook and whatnot from there. Uh, but thank you, as always, for listening and for sending us your feedback and making predictions and all that. It is part of just what makes us so much fun and uh, keeps us doing what we're doing. And uh, thank you very much for listening. So uh, from, until next week, I am Jim Lau. And I am Robin Warner. 2014 Formula One is back. <laughs>